All right, welcome everyone. This edition of Tampa Bay Cop Talk, we're going to start a little bit of a new show. We're going we're to call this Rambling Rivals, because that's basically what it is. It's going to be us sitting down with rival fans, fans from other clubs, to talk about the state of things at their club, and maybe have a little healthy banter. You know, not that toxic bullshit from Twitter, but maybe a little healthy banter. So I want to introduce to you for a longtime friend of the show, but never been on camera. Uh, our man Pete Garcia, he's a, a member of the Arsenal supporters group. He's a longtime gooner. Welcome, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. So, um, you know, you guys last year, you finished, what, eighth? Eighth. I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> 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 you know, Just kidding. A few months ago, that was a painful thing. But now, you know, I've, it's, we've had a little time to embrace it. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, we finished eighth now. 14 so you finished eight. It, it's a, it's an interesting season because when you look back at the arc of that season, it's it's so up and down. You've got like good moments where you guys start to show some promise, and then it all seems to come crumbling down at different times. So kind of <laughs> coming out of that, <laughs> not so liked, yeah, but it, it kind of did. And I I kind of you know, I don't mind when Arsenal's successful. So I always keep an eye on you guys, and it just seemed like every time it was coming together something degenerated and you know, you're under Emery for it and then there's a coaching change so kind of take me through the arc of last season how you felt the way things went and you know le let's let's do it leading up to the pause okay well you know I mean starting with Unai I, I you know I was never really an anti-Unai guy I, I was apprehensive you know, there were all these reports that were leaking out about language issues and, and this weird kind of lax culture that was growing. Um, but I still had a lot of promise coming in, in the beginning of the season. And like you said, there were those moments where things really came together. Uh, there's a famous team goal where Ozila and Aubameyang, you know, cap it off that looked like we were getting back in that free-flowing um, you know, Arsenal football, and, and then you nailed it. You know, come December, things, nothing was going well. So and, you know, I don't even want to talk about Unai's demise per se. I, I think, you know, Freddie did well, and, and it's noteworthy, you know, his role in the season. I think it was like two weeks he came in after Unai left and really stabilized things. Um, I think we picked up a handful of points, and, and come, you know, the 20th of December, we were ready for Arteta to come in. And... Uh, you know, the last time we were on the coach hunt, he was, uh, you know, one, an early candidate and surprising, of course, because he had just left. But, you know, you hear Sterling and all these other guys talk about, you know, his one-on-one -on -one coaching abilities and the way he reads the games. And, and yeah, come do here. I was buzzing, man. Excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I was talking to you around that time and I was like, I, I was saying that it, with City, you know, you hear the things the way he's talked about. And I was like, oh, man, they're getting like a really, they're getting a gem here. And I thought if Pep's allowing him to leave, I thought Pep was going to be out the door by now. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought there's no way he's just going to let him walk. But, you know, I mean, you know, he would do the professional thing. He let the man take his opportunity. But. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a really big pickup for you guys. And it definitely changed the course of things. Yeah. Now, it, gamble front of house, right? We have to say it. it. It certainly was a gamble, but early signs are, are exciting. But, but go ahead. Buddy. So, yeah, so the season obviously has to be broken into a couple of parts. And uh, the big part is, you know, we timed out for two months 
because of one of the most historical events of our lifetime. So, yeah. but in the case of Arsenal, they almost seemed a little bit different when they came, came back from that break, like a little bit more switched on. I don't know if maybe just the time and training had helped. Did you kind of feel that way? Like uh, they just kind of had a different energy about them? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I did feel it was um, a continuation of, of some of the expectations he put out there. Right. You know, he was super vocal in his press conferences and in anywhere where anyone would listen that his expectations are to give a hundred percent and come with the right attitude. And if that's not you, you're not going to play plain and simple. And, you know, I, I think Ozil was first to kind of get shunned out and kind of get brought in and out of the game. And you could see that extra little oomph from some, from some players. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think the break helped us. Um, you know, it's hard to substantiate a lot of things, but there are reports, of, you know, homework assignments being sent out and heavy video stuff going on and tight exercise regimes at home and, you know, all this. I mean, um, you, granted, that's probably going on at every Premier League club, right? But if yeah. for a new manager getting that type of opportunity day in, day out, you know, I don't, I don't know if we can really put a value on it yet. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's definitely something to be said for, you know, two months of this is what I want you guys to focus on. This is what I yeah. want you studying. And, you know, and then when you come back from that, sorry, one of my dogs is right here. <laughs> uh, now, when you come back from that, you know, you're, you're working right into whatever he's been preaching for two months. Yeah. So I think that definitely helps. Um, so you come out of that and you start to look stronger. You beat the champions. Oh, well, we can say it. The <laughs> pr probably still somewhat hungover champions, but still nonetheless yes. the champions. Um, and you go on to win the FA Cup. That is kind of an unexpected high, I feel like, compared to where, you know, like we said, the, the season had its struggles and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, Boom, trophy. <laughs> Which also reinforces the whole, you can play as many of the FA Cup games as you want, but at the end, Arsenal's going to win it. So let's <laughs> As long as everyone else comes to that understanding, I think we're in a good spot. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you nailed it, man. And, and it, for me, it came down to belief, right? You know, it, it, for maybe the focus during the break was on, you know, the, the specifics, you know, the jobs that he wanted to get done. Once we came out, after that just supreme ass whooping by City, it was nothing but belief week over week as it stacked. You know, the victory against Liverpool, awesome, of course, I enjoyed it, but you'd be hard pressed to say that there wasn't a good amount of luck that was involved, especially towards the end of that game, just unbelievable chances. So I, I separate that and the quarterfinal, excuse me, the semifinal with City. Uh, although it was the same type of tactics and kind of waiting for our time, it was certainly not the same type of nervous um, kind of end to a game. And, and for me, I think that was probably the moment when a lot of the players in the dressing room said, hell, we, we go out here, we put in a shift, and we're going to do something, you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that for me, more than the final, as, as, as awesome as that was, that for me was really the moment of, of the restart um, and the beginning of the Arteta era, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the City performance really kind of like impressed me and it definitely showed what the squad was capable of. Yeah. Um, so then you come into the summer, you know, and I think all of us are dealing with this kind of bizarre summer 
Like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> because I didn't even know when the transfer window definitely opened. All of a sudden, Chelsea has Timo Werner. What the hell's going on? <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, it's like, when does it close? And I just found out it's October 5th, like last week. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess this thing doesn't close for another month. The way Liverpool supporters talk about Thiago, you'd think it closed, a ha- you know, when the season ended. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so, so far, I think you guys are kind of struggling with some of the same things that we are in that you're not owned by an oligarch. You're not owned by a foreign government that is backed by oil money. So given the amount of financial uncertainty coming in like the next year, you're not really set to spend a huge sum. But you did get William in. So kind of how do you feel about where the squad stands going into next year? And how do you feel about that William move? So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the rest of this window. I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of activity, mainly on the out. Um, but but you, you nailed it. I mean, I guess I'll start there in terms of, of financing things. We're, we're definitely in a position where, you know, someone from the core of our starting 11 is going to go. My money's on Lacazette. You know, it makes most sense for him to be the really? one who goes. Yeah. Especially with Inketcha coming up uh, in, you know, the center, um, in the center forward position. We have options with Pepe and William being able to do some work on the wing. Saka is a youngster looking good there. So, you got you know, Martinelli can score goals. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, he definitely, I mean, I don't want to say surplus the needs, right? Because, you know, he still had some <laughs> awesome goals. Yeah. But he also struggled. I mean, I think he finished the campaign with like 10, 11 goals and, yeah. you know, really struggled away from home. His, you know, it's easy to look at it all rosy, but, but he struggled a little bit in his time at Arsenal. So, you know, two weeks ago, I would have said he's gone. There's, there's no way he's staying. He's definitely gone. Now, there's a chance all these guys may stay. Because you nailed it. The rest of the market is in a position where even though they're available, we're not going to let them go for the right price. And other clubs right. may not even have that. Yeah. Nobody has the money to spend at the moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of people take for granted how much of this is driven by how much of what they've known the transfer market has is driven mm-hmm. by the television money. And we've just seen they've lost the China contract. Yeah, that's huge. The Premier League lost something like I, I think I read like six hundred plus six hundred million plus do, uh, pounds uh, in lost television revenue. That is a lot of money that yeah. distributed over the course of the league. I mean, would have funded quite a bit of, of activity. So I, I don't know. Yeah. And like I said, you know, just we're kind of in the same position. Everybody thinks, well, they just won the title. They just you know, they, they've won the Champions League right before that. They've got all the TV money and da-da-da-da-da. When in truth, really, if you look at the way that the expenses are laid out, and, you know, kind of you guys were at the forefront as well as us of the way the contracts are paid out now over longer periods of time and very incentive-based and all that. Yeah. That expense has caused us to be – it's a growing expense, whereas we've grown the wage with the wage bill. You've got those payments still going out. A lot of that money that comes in just goes right back out. And what's left, you know, you don't have a lot to spend. Exactly. So if, it feels like we're kind of in similar situations. And I'm curious, what do you think happens with Ozil? Because he's on such, you know, he makes so much. <laughs> so, you know, here's another kind of tale of two stories. Two weeks ago, I, I said definitely. I think he, he was 100% on the way out, even if we needed to subsidize a big chunk of the sale. 
And, and I think that's part of why some of our other behavior here in the market's that way. You know, Torreira's up for, potentially for sale, Bellerin potentially up for sale, La Gazette potentially up, Maitland Niles, uh, you know, who can all generate a, you know, a decent payday. So now photos of him in training, he looks happy. You know, the Arsenal <laughs> press corps is just pumping out content with him looking happy. And there's talk of this clean slate from Arteta, even though he mentioned that when he first started also. So I have to be kind of honest, that rubs me the wrong way if you're given yet another clean slate for a player to come yeah. on and do the right thing. I, I, at this point, he did it to Wenger several times at the end. He did it to Unai. He did it to, Fred, uh, to Freddie. And, and now potentially to Mikel twice. So long. Enjoy Turkey. Bye. You know, that, those are my <laughs> feelings for sure. Yeah. Hey, he's making, what? what is it? Is it 300 a week? A week. 350. 350 a week. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That was even short on my... Wow, that, that's a lot to yeah. not be playing every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at Aubameyang, who was at 200 at the beginning of last season. He resigned in the fall, or excuse me, two seasons ago. He went up to 250. There are rumors now that he's going to start pushing that 350 area if he resigns. How on earth are we going to afford that with those who are still around? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, of the two, Oh, it was worth it when he's pumping in goals like that. <laughs> so, yeah. And he's winning a, cups for you, you know. It's a big problem. The um, club needs to sort. I mean, I, I, I put it there at the top of, of the, the cancers, so to speak, that the club still needs to really cut out ASAP, and, and that contract is, is definitely pressing. Yeah. So what moves do you expect? You know, I, I've heard different things. I've heard holdings going out on loan, which kind of surprised me because I thought yeah. he's been pretty promising, grown a lot in the last couple of years. Um, I've heard Maitland-Niles possibly to like Watford, Bellerin out to Spain. So what do you kind of predict for, for outgoings? Well, you know, I think the conversation starts with center backs, right? And, and, and to, to, you know, two years ago, if you would ask me that Arsenal was going to have a center back problem, that would be the last thing I could have said. I mean, not necessarily performance wise, right? We've been, there's been center, (laughs) but in terms of the quantity a center has, we have at the moment. So, you know, I, I do rate holding. I do think he's quality. He's been a part of some of our recent trophies that have been won. You know, he obviously had the ACL injury, took some time to, to come back from that. But um, as disappointed I am, I do think a season at a Newcastle is kind of the perfect place for him. Uh, he's probably 24, 25. He comes back 26, and he can really fight for a spot. But outside of him, at center back, we have David Luiz, who we'll, we'll definitely talk about a little bit. You know, Pablo Mari, who we just picked up. William Saliba, who we bought from Saint Etienne, loaned him back. He's coming in. This Gabriel guy from Lille who's in. Um, there's Mavropanos, uh, who's out on loan this year. Um, Socrates and Mustafi, right? <laughs> there's seven center halves, you know? That's all. So, yeah. <laughs> so certainly Socrates, I think, is gone. And I think Mustafi would be out the door also if he wasn't injured. You know, with the injury, I think he hangs out. He maybe comes back and plays a handful of games before December. He's out in the winter window. He's gone. Um, But I do think, you know, as much as I am not a David Luiz fan, he will be the heart of our defense for this season as these youngsters kind of grow around him. I don't see the back three going away anytime soon. I, I do think eventually Mikel will want to go to a back four. That's, that's the end destination, but unless we make some, some really enormous moves, it's just not likely. 
Uh, so you, you sell to buy, right? So, uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering now, one of the things I actually, I, I noticed that you guys did get back was you've got Danny Ceballos back, yes. which is, which is a good move. Um, but what else do you want in? What, what do you want to come in the door as, as a top priority, so to speak? Well, you know, I think we start with Partley, of course. Um, I mean, you know, he's certainly proven. He's been playing at a high level for some time. Um, and with Danny back in, I think that does open the door for Torreya to leave, who, you know, is still somewhere in the 30 to 40 window, which puts us right there at that 40 million tag Madrid is asking for Partley. So for me, you know, I'd really love to see him come in. Um, Xhaka, who, who just has become an, an, an unbelievable figure after being on the absolute brink of being pushed out of the squad, you know. I think he will be yeah. there at the heart of it. Ceballos and um, Mohamed Elneny coming back from a season out in Turkey, looking really strong in preseason. I, I think he makes a strong case for why we can let Torreya leave, why we can sell Kanduzi and maybe just get one more body in, in, in kind of the center defensive midfield role. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, wingers wise, I think we're good uh, in, in attacking. I think we're good to go as well. If and when Mezzarozo leaves, um, you know, another quick, uh, well, not another, a quick attacking minded midfielder is definitely next. And there's this kid. I feel like you guys aren't very short on attacking options though. I don't know. You know maybe it's just as an opposition fan. When you guys start attacking, I'm kind of like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're in a good spot. And, you know, I, I read a piece by Arsblog this morning about what if everyone stays? And if we're unable to do any more business, let's say it just finishes like this, the tactical flexibility that Mikel can use for the next few months could be really exciting, despite some obvious, really pressing business that needs to happen. Um, and, and you nailed it. Who, who starts up front? Yeah, amongst Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, Willian, and Saka, who's playing out of his mind. Um, yeah. You know, there's some tough decisions for Mikel, but way better position than we were last year. So every time you get a new coach in, you kind of go on like a little bit of a journey, right? There's always like yeah. an evolution. And you, you and I were talking a lot about kind of how you hoped the Emery thing would pan out. We used to, you know, I was kind of, telling you I think over the last few years on several occasions probably about the kind of the clock journey and how we wanted it to yeah. evolve so when you look at Arteta what's the next step what do you want to see kind of the evolution pan out to to provide this year um good question man so you know um I think the big switch is going to come from you know lining the team up to negate other teams strengths to really putting a team out there that showcases our strength. You know, there were a few times where you could tell he was trying to go out there and control the ball and, and you know, play the possession game, play some of the quick, wingy, pacey stuff we saw him do over at City, and, and he just doesn't have the personnel for it. So yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to get there the first half of this season, for sure. Um, I think we, you know, we'll play with the back three. I think we'll play on the counter. I think, you know, we, we will win games and, and definitely be in a good position on the table through it, but we still won't be in that playing Arsenal, the football way zone until the second half of the season at the earliest. I'll say it that way. So right. tactically, that's the big difference when, when he's able to, to go out our way. I'll say it that way. Now, does your fan base know this? 
<laughs> man you know I, I so i've complained about arsenal fans for for years I, I will say that it you know the struggles of last season and we've talked about this you know when when liverpool went through some some hard times that it, it thinned out some of the fluff from the support and those that are left you know i think are contributing in a good way i'll say it that way but you know expectations of course are way off you know everybody loves arsenal fan tv and that like that type of um, supporter, but, you know, I know enough other types of supporters that know that we're in for the journey here. Um, and, you know, success is measured by our attainment of our potential, right? You know, if our potential is right here and we're performing right at that level, then I'm fucking happy. <laughs> if there's a big gap, then we got issues. It is what it is. And if this is finishing in the top four and hitting a, you know, semifinal in Europe, fuck yeah, that's fantastic. And I will celebrate yeah. that shit all day long, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned before that you guys see a lot of David Luiz, uh, but what is your preferred <laughs> back line? You, you've also said, you, you know, we'll get into formation in 11 in a minute, but, but yeah. in terms of your preferred back line, I mean, kind of what do you want to see? Because you guys gave up quite a few goals at times, so. Well, I, so, I mean, this is a question I have like five answers for, right? You know, <laughs> what I'd like to see is um, a, a Gabriel-Saliba combination in the back. You know, I think right now they have the most promise to grow into those roles, but neither of them are ready, of course, for that job this year. So, you know, to start the year, I think we start in the back three with um, Luis in the middle, either Saliba or... Gabriel on the left and a holding on the right if he doesn't go out or if he does leave the other two of the youngsters on either side of him. Um, you know, we're, we made this weird thing. We picked up Pablo Mari, right? He, we had him on loan. He plays like 45 total minutes for us, gets injured. Loan ends. We re-sign him for the year. And he's also a left-footed, very similar in everything type of, of center back to Gabriel. So, you know, if I'm, I'm Mari, I'm really scratching my head, like, where the hell do I fit in in this? You know, if we go to a back four, you're not going to have two left-footed center backs. And we can talk about how weird that is also, right? But that's not going to happen. So eh, I, I'm, I'm, I like that we have the options, right? But that's something that I, I'm still excited to see how it evolves. Um, because, you know, who, who fucking knows where we could be come December? Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah. Can, we, can we curse on this? Yeah, yeah, we do it all the time. Cool, cool. All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, so, so look yeah. at sorry. Uh, so so you look at uh, your your formation, right? So you've mentioned three at the back uh, yeah. several times. You know, what is your best formation and kind of your ideal starting eleven? Yeah, so I do think um, three four three is ideal for me right now. Um, you know, eventually I love for us to move into a 4-3-3 with different personnel, with a style that I think Mikel wants to play long-term, right? But for now, the 3-4-3 with, you know, the David Luiz in the middle there and two of the upcoming or in-rotation center backs on either side. Um, Tierney on one side and Bellerin on the other end. Oh, I can't believe I haven't mentioned Tierney yet so far, man, because I'm, I'm so yeah. excited about <laughs> his continued growth and impact. Um, you know, I think he's, he, he can do a little bit of everything. You know, I could even say at the beginning of the year, he could be on the left side of that back three. 
in both that Community Shield game and the FA Cup final, he played in the the left of a back three. Eight, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles played left wing back. And in possession, Maitland-Niles would almost slide into this like central midfield position next to Xhaka and Ceballos. And Tierney was overlapping Aubameyang on the left from a fucking center back position. <laughs> so it, it, the kid is super fit. You know, the, the shoulder yeah. injuries, everyone talked about how his engine was just on another level because he's in the pool every day, he's in the treadmill every day, nothing with the ball, you know. So um, I, I couldn't be more excited. Anyway, so those two on either well, side. Well, uh, it's, it's good that you brought him up because if not, I was going to have to chat. He's a low-budget Andy Robbo at you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Hey, that, that's a great signing. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, the kid I, I couldn't be more excited about. Yeah, I really didn't know a lot about him. And, and with the injuries early on, I, I kind of had already started to relegate him to this, one of these, these, these Andre Santos type signings. Remember that Brazilian a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did he ever play? Barely. I mean, you know, hundreds of minutes, right? And so I, I was foolishly already writing him off. But, he, a, you know, future Arsenal captain, uh, uh, potential without a doubt, and uh, excited to see what he does. All right. So you've got a back three with Tierney in the lineup. What were the, oh, sorry, what were the other two? Yeah, Tierney and Bellerin on your wingbacks, and then Jacques okay. in the middle. Okay. You know, I don't think we have then, any other proven midfield combination right now. So what is your, you know, and maybe it picks itself, but give me your front three. Your, your... <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> to start the season, what I'd really like to see is Aubameyang up front with Pepe and William on either side. And that does excite me because William can kind of drop in, also be an extra man in midfield and let Pepe and Lacazette kind of come in from the right and left also. Um, he, he could also be a false nine almost. I mean, I'm not quite sure how much he's ready to do that, but everyone, all the early reports, not everyone, are saying he wants to play in the midfield and the opportunity to leave the wing was one of the reasons for leaving Chelsea. So that, that's how I'd like to see us start the season, um, you know, with... And then long-term, you have a different kind of... So if you move to a 4-3-3, does that change kind of your vision of, of, of what maybe even... Does it impact the front three or is it just the midfield? Or? It changes the midfield. Right now, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on that front three to really be our creators. And, yeah. um, you know, Danny Ceballos to be very, very smart in his positioning to kind of link that uh what is that second stage they call it you know after we we take possession back so there's a lot of risk with that because both Jaka and Ceballos also aren't exactly the most disciplined positionally and any any Premier League striker running straight at David Luiz and I'm pissing my pants so you know we gotta be honest you know so that's that's where I want to see a little bit more evolve and um you maybe eventually just go to just two up front with even three at the back. Grab the mid All right. So I got to ask prediction for the season. <laughs> where, do you, where do you see your, your boys coming in? I, um, well, you know, I, last season, I don't think was all that bad. Right. You know, I, I mean, I don't think anybody was happy finishing in, in eighth, of course, but we, you know, I'm actually, I'm looking at my notes here. Spurs, Leicester, and Chelsea all lost more games than us. 
And City only lost one less game less than us, right? They lost eight games. We lost nine games over the course of the City. So it, it, although we weren't where we wanted to be, it was those 14 draws that really, really sucked mm-hmm. the life out of the season. And I believe Mikel has definitely already made some impacts to make that change. And we're going to continue to move. So I see top four for us. Hands down, top four. I think it's almost non-negotiable for a top four finish for him in this season, especially with some of the support he's had. And I want a European semifinal. Right. At least, at the bare minimum. You know, I, I, especially in, in tournament games, um, you know, in, in elimination matches, I think we have what it takes to go through. All right, well, I'll be rooting for you to finish fifth, but then win the Europa Leagues and United <laughs> doesn't make it into the Champions League because you okay. screwed them out of it. So, so you have them ahead favorite. of us in the top four. It's my favorite way for them to get shafted, though. (laughs) Right, huh? Well, you know, I I think actually maybe you've already started. You know, Spurs and and Mourinho were way out in Eastern Europe playing those qualifiers because of the way we got in. So, (laughs) all right. Well, this has been good. Yeah, man. Uh, Thank you. This was fun, man. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We we play each other in a couple weeks, so we're gonna be. Uh, you know, well, we'll probably have you back on to do that preview. We'll get the others awesome. on. We can all talk shit at you. Okay. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Well, I understand no, no, you guys good. Think and, you uh, push back a little bit. Yeah, and you know, we'll uh, we'll get you in on some other shows because it's always good to have another voice, another perspective. So, uh, but good luck this season, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man. Same to you. Take care, buddy.